Parenting Resilient Kids What does resilience mean to you? What are the qualities that you see as resilient? We all have different levels of resilience in different situations, no matter what personality we are. A recent study has found that resilience is a dynamic process that fluctuates based on a variety of factors, ranging from an individual's stress levels to how emotionally stable they are. So what is a resilient personality? Resilient people are those who are aware of situations, their own emotional reactions and the behaviours of those around them. By remaining aware, they can maintain control of a situation and think of new ways to tackle problems. In many cases, resilient people emerge stronger after difficulties. Now, as an ESFP, I'm a fairly relaxed parent. I don't have many rules and boundaries. In general, I like to keep things happy, stress-free, and often I go for the easiest and happiest option. There are many things that I've done, or rather not done, that maybe I would fix in another lifetime if I had to. Despite my personality preferences, I do maintain certain things in life, even though they can cause me great personal stress, that I feel are good for my children and that would help build their resilience. And one of these is camping. Now for me, camping is not something that Paul and I were keen on. So we sent our children to school. We sent them to one that had regular camps in the senior years. I figured they were never going to get to camp with Paul and I so they could find out whether they enjoyed camping or not in a school situation. They found out pretty fast that they too were not actually happy campers, which was really sad for them because they had one every year. The stress of organising them and getting them to the school bus with a myriad of different complaints each year certainly developed my resilience to complaining children. Jack broke his foot one year, the day before camp, and unfortunately for him, the doctor we saw was one of Jack's best friend's dad, and his son was on the same camp. He reassured Jack and I that Jack's foot would be just fine in the bandage he put on it, and he would see us at the bus ready for camp in the morning. As a parent, all I wanted to do was keep him home, but the adult peer pressure and expectation that we would be there was greater. Jack was stressed, but he went, and was very well looked after, and of course, he survived. I said to him in reflection, I'm so proud you went. I cried that night I sent you to camp. He replied, so did I. I couldn't believe that you actually did it. Oh, the parental guilt. But we both survived and grew in different ways as a result. Each year as I saw them off on camp, even though it did wrench my heart and was very stressful, I would think to myself, this is good for them and good for me. It's good for their resilience and development. Being away from their parents and understanding that people do other things differently. Setting up tents, cooking meals over tiny burners, out in the weather without heating or cooling, on the water in tiny yachts or canoes, taking themselves totally out of their comfort zones by giving them different learning tools and experiences that they didn't get at home. Each year they stressed and complained, but every time my children returned from camp tanned, messy, with no sleep and hungry, they were full of stories and adventures where fears were faced, not always conquered, but they were experienced and dealt with and stronger friendships were made. They learnt new things and they had fun. So the takeaway was, 
Even after year 12 camp, when my daughter went on her last one and rejoiced she would never go on camp again, she had still experienced valuable life lessons that we as parents couldn't have given her. She had developed the skills of resilience, and so had I. The main characteristics of a resilient person are the following. Self-awareness. Now this is essential because it helps you see yourself clearly and thoroughly. Being realistic. Keeping calm when under stress. Using your empathy. Maintaining self-control. Being motivated and optimistic. When you know who you are in both personality type and temperament, then you have an even greater understanding of yourself as a person and a parent. When you're self-aware, you can keep yourself more accountable for your actions because you can see yourself in the real light. Knowing that the personality type I am, I would rather have let my children stay at home and not experience the camp they dreaded. So it was a huge effort for all of us to face our fears and push on with the camping each year. When looking at MBTI personality types, there are many situations where knowing who you and your child is can help you develop and increase their resilient behaviours. I'm Kate Mason, and welcome to Personalities Parenting and Partners. This is the podcast that connects you to the ones you care about the most. In our previous episode, we talked to Marianne Lomax about parenting styles. In this episode of Personalities Parenting and Partners, we're going to continue our discussion focused on how you can help your child or children build resilience. Hi Marianne, thanks for joining me today. Hi Kate, great to be back again. It's lovely to have you back. Now as we've mentioned in other podcasts, you have many, many years of experience teaching, mentoring and dealing with both children and parents. Today we're going to discuss resilience. This is a topic that's frequently discussed as currently people's resilience levels appear to be at an all-time low. So what does the word resilience mean to you? Well, a lot of people would probably say it's the ability to bounce back, um, and I guess we need to unpack what that means. I think it's the ability to do well or to continue to do well in spite of all the stresses around you. Um, today we're going to talk about resilience in children, but the more I've been thinking about this and looking back on our previous podcasts, I think it's about resilience in everybody. So I'll tailor it to children, but I also think we need to think about our own resilience in light of everything that's happening in mm -hmm. the world at the moment. Beautiful. Thank you. So what happens when a child doesn't have any resilience? You deal with this a lot in your work, you know, resilience to be able to handle discipline, resilience to be able to handle consequences of other children, perhaps not being as kind to them as they would like, uh, the resilience to cope with. Um, it's just everything that goes on in the outer world. So what happens to those children? We, we know now that resilience is not fixed, um, although I do think it has a lot to do with nature and nurture still. Um, there are just some kids who come into the world and, you know, you read about them in books and they go through such terrible tragedy and end up doing the most amazing things. And that has to be something to do with an innate sense of resilience. And then there are other children who are just endowed with most beautiful family and um, the world and where they live and whatever, and they end up with very little resilience. So I guess it, it is something that it's not fixed, but I and I do, going back to our other mm. podcast on parenting styles, 
Um, I do think it also has something to do with our parenting styles. That rescue parent, which I know both of us have sometimes been, yes. um, is not suitable or it's not nurturing of a resilient child because we're not letting them fall, and I mean that metaphorically, um, and getting up and then going dusting themselves off and saying, I can, I can do this. So if we're looking at those parenting styles, what are the other things that don't build resilience in the parenting styles that we have talked about previously? You talked about the authoritarian parent who didn't give their child resilience because they were so busy directing every aspect of their child's life and and to their own disciplinary needs. So what... Just reiterate well, well, what guess, might have happened. Um, yes, that, that is mm. true with the authoritarian. And also when we talk about um, the, the, I think it's the tiger mums or the yes. snow plowing yes. parent, um, that just, I think I mentioned that a minute ago, that they will just do everything for their child. The child doesn't even have to carry their own school bag for them. Um, they even, and I found this in my own professional life at the moment, we have so many more parents coming to say, you know, this happened to my child and what are you going to do about it? And then we have to, again, unpack what that means. Well, did you hear both sides of, of what happened? One strategy I use when I'm dealing with children who have a difference in opinion on things and or have been hurt is I talk about the stories. I say, you have a story and you have a story and I have a story. So I'll let you tell your story first. And so the first child tells their version of events. Then the second child has to listen to that. And then they tell their version of events. And then I put it together and with them present. And then they can see how that goes together. And that helps resilience a lot because it's also empathy. It's about looking at how that other person must have felt when they did that. Um, and that other person feeling empowered by the other person acknowledging them. So... Resilience is about parenting, it's about the child, and it's about how our friends um, treat us as well. So do you find that you've been in the business for a long time of teaching, do you find that children are less resilient today than they were in the past uh, at all? Or do you think, uh, what do you think? It's a it's a good question. Um, I, th I, I want to say yes, I do think they are less resilient. I just don't know whether that is scientifically proven um, or not. But it appears to me small things are getting children more upset. I use an analogy with the children, is this an ant or an elephant? And it's a good, and the, I'll mm. tell you quickly what it is. So an ant problem, so I front load all this with children beforehand and we talk about what an ant problem looks like and that might be, you know, a finger's bleeding or um, you have a scratch or you've got a little bit of a tummy ache or something. And then we have the children will make up the one in between, but at the moment it's a cat problem and then it's a tiger problem and then it's an elephant problem. And the elephant problem is when we need to go to hospital, when we need to call parents, when it is something quite major. And we have that in the classroom. And so I'll often say, go and point to where you think your problem is. So it's giving that child the opportunity to reflect for themselves on how big this problem is, which is the main aim of this to see if they can actually work it out for themselves, which is building resilience, then to come back to me um, and to say that. In the first situation, I did have a little girl who said, it's an elephant problem. And I said, is it? And she said, yes, it's blood everywhere. And it was a tiny little blood. And I said, okay, shall I call the ambulance? And she said, no. I said, shall I call your mum? No. And I said, 
So how big is it? Oh, well, maybe it's a cat problem then. And a Band-Aid made it an ant problem. So um, yay, yay for Band-Aid. Um, <laughs> they fix a lot so of things. I th- does that sort of answer your yes, question? Yes, it does. It does. And in fact, that's a great cue for you, the listener, if you're a parent of a smaller child, even in life. You know, if we have ad- as adults sit there, because I think a lot of the overwhelm for adults too is working out what is the most important thing to worry about. You know, like what what mm. is the area? Am I worrying about the small stuff or am I really worrying about the big stuff? And having a, that analogy of the ant and the elephant is a brilliant thing to take on yourself and think about even as a person because my husband thinks a lot of ant stuff and overthinks it. And I think that if we can put our head into that headspace, that's a, a wonderful gift to have to think about. So... Is re- if resilience isn't fixed, which we we know, um, how can we build that resilience in our children? That, like sitting here as a listener, how, what are some more cues that you can give us? Because that's a brilliant one that you've just given us now. And I'm just wondering too around disciplinary stuff because I know that nowadays with the snowplow and the helicopter parent, the child often isn't given the skills to come into an environment like a school or an early learning centre and have to deal with being disciplined, sitting in groups, getting along with other children. So is there anything that parents can do to set their children up to be able to come into a situation like that and have resilience? I think I think um, large families have got a really positive way of getting resilience because when you're in a big family... You have to learn resilience pretty quickly. Um, and you'll probably note that in this day and age, particularly in our country, our families are smaller, often only with one or two children. And often parents say, well, that's all we can afford. And I think, well, that's all you can afford to what? Spend on them, give them good education at a private school, build the beautiful house. Um, and so the children don't want for much. And if you don't want for much, you don't have to build resilience. You just, it's there for you. You get up, there's breakfast, there's lunch, there's dinner, there's holidays, there's um, there's cars, there's houses. And so you think, well, are we kind of undoing this? So to answer your question, do I think resilience is more common in children these days? The answer for me probably is yes, and it's for those little things. We need to make our children believe that they are worthwhile, that they can make decisions for themselves without having to always refer back to us, that they can stand alone in the world and go, I can do this, Um, that they're safe, that they feel okay in the time of adversity. So how do I do this as a parent? I've given my child everything and I'm doing everything for them and they come to school. What are the things I can put into place before they come to school that will help them? Because they're my darling. I I don't want to have to do anything that I haven't been doing all this time. So if it's the child's first time, the big one for them would be um, the first day of school and you'd be saying to them, you are going to be fine, you are going to be okay, it's all right if you feel a bit scared, it's okay if you feel a bit nervous, this is new to you, I will be here at the end of the day but you are going to be fine. So you're making them feel safe, you're making them feel valued and even if they don't feel fine, be okay with that feeling. The uncomfortable feeling of not being fine is how you build resilience. It's like a muscle. 
it hurts at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know that through working out. Um, but then it slowly increases and the child goes, I can do this. And what a wonderful sensation for a child to go, I'm okay. I'm okay by myself. And the preparation of perhaps discipline and the fact that they're going to be organised, how would you prepare that? Because I know a lot of children go and someone says no and they have a a meltdown or a hissy fit because they've been told no and perhaps maybe they're not used to that at home. How can the parent prepare them for that type of thing when they've just been a one, two child? In many ways I don't know if we can prepare Mm. children for everything and Mm. and we shouldn't. I guess that's what resilience is about actually. Um, But if it's happening at school, then I believe in a great thing called social stories which are just books showing page by page of what might happen. You know, if this child was hitting you, what else could you have done? What are the strategies that we might do if someone is hurting you or you're feeling that you don't have any friends? So you're teaching the child very explicitly about strategies to use when they're feeling a little bit sad or a little bit um, uh, unsafe, I, mm. I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So in this day and age, what do children really need to feel from their parents? You know, what What do they need to, to know as a genuine person? Do you get what I mean? Like, They need to know that they're okay without their parent as well, mm-hmm. um, that they won't fall apart, that they are a complete individual within themselves, but they also need to know that their parent is there when they need them. But otherwise they can't go forward. We won't always be here for our parents for whatever reason, not just death, but, you know, we might have to go away or we might have to... What is the child going to do then? They need to be able to say, I'm okay on my own because they are. They are okay on their own and they have people and sometimes you need to say that to children as well. When mum or dad aren't here, who are the people? Who are your network of people that you can go to? And get your child to list that. And if they haven't got a network, let together make one for them. So who would you go to? Who do you trust at school? Do you trust the teacher? Do you trust a friend? Um, so that they can actually have a picture of the people that they can go to if their parents aren't there. That's beautiful. And as we say, let them know they're a worthwhile person. When someone's loved and feels lovable, then they feel accepted by other people. And make sure they feel safe. You know that they can count on you, as Marianne has just said. Now, call to action. So what would you suggest to, just a couple of suggestions to parents of what children need you to do? Uh, How many times do I say this? Time, 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 time. Or actually, I should actually say quality time. Mm. Some parents are there with their children, but they're on phones. That is so not time with your child. And not berating parents. Parenting is a really hard gig. Um, But spend quality time with them. You work out what that is and looks like. Show you care, not just by saying I love you. I mean, I hear that so many times everywhere. And I go, wonder what that means. Because what it means is in action and in words. How do you love them? Do you love them enough? In fact, the other day um, I read an article of how important it was when your child came out of school, perhaps this isn't so much for secondary school, to put your phone away, to get to go up to them and say, hello, how was your day today? And look them in the eye. Because that is welcoming them back into your world, being present with them. And you know what? They really will chat as opposed to, hi, on my screen, still talking, and then they go to the car or whatever. So Mm. that is really important to support their interests, whatever it is that they're interested in. It mightn't be the sport or the co-curricular that you want, but if it's what they want, then you're saying, you make good decisions. I really like this. Um, And predictability 
routines, family time, so important. You know, that family dinner, can't always do it every night of the week, but once a week, twice a week, all the family members are there together having a meal together. And as we know, letting them know that their feelings are okay, even their tricky ones, mm. you know, help and help them to name those feelings, help them to stay close and calm when they overcome them. And above all, love them. Mm. How important is that? Very important. Marianne, thank you once again for your inspirational ideas and knowledge about our most precious treasures, our children. There are so many simple things you've mentioned today that the listener can actually put into action. Thank you, Marianne. Thanks, Kate. Knowing who you are as a parent and understanding your child's personality and their emotional, social and physical needs is so important. Using the tools that Marianne has mentioned can help you to prepare your children for the trials and triumphs of childhood and beyond. In our next episode, we'll conclude our discussion with Marianne talking about tantrums. I'm Kate Mason. Thank you for listening to Personalities, Parenting and Partners. If you enjoyed this episode... We would love it if you could leave a rating and a review that would help others learn about this podcast. If you're interested in discovering more about you and your family's personality types, you'll find my newly launched book, Who Is This Monster or Treasure in My House, on Booktopia or Amazon. If you have an episode idea, please send a note to thepersonalitycoach at gmail.com. Many thanks to our producers at Stories and Strategies, and we'll see you next time.